Hey, this is Pastor Greg Evans from Calvary Assembly of God. I want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I pray that God will speak to your heart, that he will challenge you, and that you will be encouraged and that you will overcome by God's word and the word of your testimony. God bless you. Enjoy the service. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians with me this morning. Philippians. Hallelujah. How many love the word of God? Say praise God. Amen. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to conclude the message that we started last Sunday. Hold, grow, and stand. Amen. As we're turning there, let me say congratulations to all of the students who participated in National Fine Arts. They did a tremendous job. And I thank Pastor Trevor and uh, Stephen Foreman who helped him make that happen and all of the uh, workers and volunteers. But I appreciate those young people serving and offering their talents back to Jesus. They did a tremendous job, every one of them. And uh, can we give them a great big we love you? Amen. I will add that uh, they all did a tremendous job. William and Caleb, for their short film, came in the top three in the nation. And that's something to be excited about and to celebrate them for. Amen. They did a great job there. And I appreciate that. So this, uh, this message this morning, we started last Sunday. And I want you to understand in my, from my heart that this is, a, this is not the kind of message. And I love, you know me, I love messages that I can throw my coat and hang it over this banister and run back and forth and shout, I'm a, I'm a preacher. This is not that kind of message. This is a message that will speak to our hearts and challenge us this morning to go deeper. It will challenge you. If you will let God do it, he will challenge us to be people of the word, people who are not just going to be kind of fair-weathered Christians, but deep, deeply rooted in the word of God and the will of God in our lives. And so as we work through this healthy church series and as we understand what Paul writes here to the to the Philippians, we can understand how we, you and I together can be better. Somebody for my birthday gave me a pillow and it says better together on it. And uh, it's sitting on my sofa in my living room and I just remember it and say it every day, we are better together. I need you and you need me. We need each other and we need to do what God's called us to do as a unified church. Can somebody say amen to that? So it's a series on being a healthy church and having healthy, godly, right relationships, both with God and each other. And Philippians is all about joy. And I'm going to tell you something. How many need joy in your life? I mean, you just, I need it. I'm raising my hand. How many need joy? I need it. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm going to tell you where joy comes from. It comes from serving Jesus, of course. But the way that that, that makes, uh, makes a process or makes progress in our lives is through relationships. We need each other. Joy comes when I fellowship with you. Joy comes when we pray with each other. Joy comes when we know that we have each other's backs, when we know that we're here to encourage each other and, and not to be a, a doom and gloomer, but I can tell you the world's getting worse and worse. Amen. Things aren't going to get better. You can hope for them. You can pray for them to get better. But the, the world, the Bible's pretty clear how the end times are going to look. And there, it's not going to get better for the church. The, the church will be under heavier persecution as time goes on. And that's why we're better together. That's why we need to be healthy now. Come on, somebody. When you're, when you're healthy and you're, you're strong, then whenever the attack comes, when the sickness comes, when the challenges arise, we're ready to fight them. Amen? So we want to be strong and we want to be 
healthy and we want to be in a right relationship. At Calvary, our mission is this. We are committed to connecting people to Jesus, growing together in relationship, and serving our community in love. We're doing that today with the backpack giveaway. We're serving our community. And it's not just for our kids alone. It is for everybody that we can help meet the need that they have. And we're going to be offering uh, the backpacks to our local elementary school and to needy families there as well. And so thank you for participating in that. Healthy churches are marked with healthy relationships. So we've worked through this series together up to this point by talking about relationship, talking about being people who stand strong in the gospel, being people who learn how to thrive in difficult circumstances. We talked in chapter three, starting last week, that it is God's will and purpose for you and I to hold tight to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must know the word of God. We must live the word of God. We must preach the word of God. And when I say preach the word of God, somebody may say, well, pastor, you're the one with the pulpit. That's your job. I'm going to tell you something. We all have a pulpit. We all have a process and a way to share the love of God. If not with our words, then with the way we live our life for sure. We, the greatest pulpit we have is the life that we live for Jesus Christ at, at, at work and in the community and in the mall or wherever you find yourself living it out for Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news of Jesus and it shows his death his burial, his resurrection, not just by what we say, but by what we do. Can somebody say amen to that? So everybody say, hold to the gospel. Say it again. Say, hold to the gospel. You got to hold to the gospel because the gospel is under attack frequently. It will always be come against. It will, your, your coworkers and unsaved and unbelievers will always attack the gospel. The enemy will see to it. And we talked last week about it being attacked frequently in ways that that is happening. The gospel is attacked incrementally. You remember we said that it is, it is the sly trick of the enemy to not just come and, and outlaw it immediately, but to incrementally chip away at our rights, our freedoms, and the word, the truth of the word of God to try to, to bring us to a place where it is no longer free and clear to share the gospel. And we must guard against that and protect against that. We talked about the fact that the gospel rejects our righteousness. We cannot be good enough in and of ourselves to get to heaven or to do anything. We need the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Come on, we're covered by the blood. If you're covered by the blood of Jesus, would you just shout hallelujah or something this morning? Come on. Amen. The gospel rests in divine righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen. But his righteousness in us, his righteousness is our strength. It is our glory. It is our way of redemption and salvation. And so this morning, I want us to jump right in at verse 10. And I want us to hear and understand in our spirit today that we must grow in this relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to grow beyond the infancy of just toddler 
Christians. Come on now. It's time to grow up and take the responsibility and the anointing that God has put on our lives and use it for the glory of God. That's one reason I'm so proud of our youth that went to fine arts and, and all of our youth really. They're involved in Bible studies and some have started them in their schools and others. Uh, the, the, these young guys that went to fine arts went and, and shared their talents. They're honing their talents, their gifts, their callings. These are the things God has put on them. And I don't care whether they come back with a, a first place, a second place, or a 20th place reward. It has nothing to do with it. That's just part of the fun of it. I want you to know what they go and do is they begin to release the gifts and the anointing within them and God raises them up. I'm telling you something. This church is filled with world changers that are 20 and under and God is raising them up and this pulpit and pulpits around the world will be filled one day because you and I have invested in them and they have grown in their faith with Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul says in verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on. Everybody say, I press on. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Somebody needs to forget the past this morning. Somebody needs to put those things that the enemy keeps trying to remind you of and, and cause you to slip back into your old ways and your old lifestyles and your old challenges. And I'm not, and it may not just be some kind of deep, dark sin. It may just be a way of thinking. It may be a, a process of, of, of uh, anxiety or anger or anything else that kind of grips your heart. I want you to know it is not God's will for you to keep focusing on your past. Come on, but look ahead to the things that God is calling you to forgetting the past, he says, and looking forward to what lies ahead i press on to reach the end of this race and receive the heavenly prize for which god through christ jesus is calling us let all who are spiritually mature there's that growing again it we must mature we must want to mature i tell you <coughs> excuse me there are too many you, you see in our culture that want to just stay you like in a place of immaturity. I, I don't want to point fingers here and I don't want anyone to walk out of here going, I wonder if he was talking about me. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just looking at our culture today and I see too many people that ought to be living in a mature process of responsibility and they're still doing the things they did when they were 14. Now, you can think what you want about that comment. But God help us that that culture doesn't slip into the body of Christ and we just remain Christian infants until Jesus comes. Needing someone to call you and encourage you every time you're down and discouraged. Dear me, if I had to have a phone call from somebody every time I got down and discouraged, y'all would have to just, might as well just go ahead and send me away to a, a building somewhere where they take care of people like that. <laughs> now, I, I love calls, as does everyone in this room. 
There's nothing wrong. We ought to, we've talked about that through this series. We ought to encourage each other. But friends, we got to mature to the place that we don't need someone to pick us up where we know who, as, as Pastor Trevor said this morning, we know who we are in Christ Jesus. And when the devil comes against my mind, my will, my emotions, and tries to tempt me, distract me, discourage me, and get me down, I start declaring who I am in Christ Jesus. I don't think about my past, and I don't think and desire my past and my sins and the things I used to do or the way it used to be. I don't think, well, I'm going to revert back to my anger issues or my anxiety or my fear. Instead, I start declaring the very word of God that I'm holding to that we talked about last week. I declare it with every breath of life that is within me. I speak it. I say it. And listen, when others around me are trying to bring me down on some level, I start declaring it to them. I'm telling you, it's time for us to grow up. It's time for the Christians, the church of the living God to grow up. And so Paul says it. He says, let us who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. <laughs> I kind of like the way he says that there. He doesn't say if you disagree on some point, it's okay. He says, I, if you disagree on some point, I believe God will set you straight. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Now listen, here's a, here's a $10 word for you. And we don't like to preach it, and we don't like to say it. But when we talk about growing up, what we're talking about is sanctification. I want everyone to just say, I want you to say sanctification. Now that's a word, and I don't know if we can fix this ringing. I don't know if I need to do something. But there is a definite ring that is, is a little distracting to me. Thank you. If I need to use a handheld, I can. Just let me know. Do it. Use a handheld. Somebody give me a handheld. Thank you. Thank you for bearing with us. We had a lightning strike, and so our equipment is uh, kind of limping along right now. And we are expecting everything because of COVID, everything's on back order. And so we can't get things quickly. And so we're just limping along and it'll be a couple more weeks, but hopefully it'll be back to normal. (laughs) Amen. Sanctification is key to you becoming the person that God wants you to be. Sanctification, it's this big word, but this is what it means to be made holy, to be made holy. Holy sanctification, friends, is a process that we all must walk through as followers of Jesus Christ. Listen, just because you bowed your knee when you were 12 or 20 or at whatever age, maybe it was a year ago, a month ago, a week ago, just because you bowed your knee to Jesus Christ does not all of a sudden, poof, now you're holy. Poof, now you don't have to worry about anything. What you need to do is to desire not just the milk of God and the, and the infancy of, of just getting the little tidbits of going to church and, and worshiping and singing some songs and hearing a preacher, but what you got to do is dig into the meat of the word of God and grow in your relationship and your faith in God. You've got to understand and realize that it is a process that starts when you give your life to Christ and we go as as. Pastor Trevor about preached my message this morning. We go from glory to glory, from one level of his presence and power and anointing in our life to a deeper place of that same power, that same anointing, so that he can use us to be world changers. Is anybody with me? Say amen. Christians who pursue holiness are often labeled holy rollers, are holier than thou. 
We get sort of a bad rep in our, in our community sometimes. Why? Because we look different than the rest of the world. Because we talk different than the rest of the world. Because we respond differently than the rest of the world. Oh, they want to mock us. They want to put you down. But friends, don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that somehow you need to compromise your standards to lower yourself to that place where you used to live. Instead, forgetting what is behind you, press on to the call that is before you. Press on to that place of obedience in God. Press on to that place of surrender to Jesus. And when the lies come from hell, and when the distractions come, and when the temptations come, hear me, get a hold of the word of God again and grow in your faith. The challenge of true sanctification is growing in our faith without these labels. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, I believe we can grow to a place. It doesn't mean we don't have to walk through that place where we are labeled as they think they're better than us or they think they're more righteous than I am. But we have to grow beyond that so that we reach a place where instead of them looking at us and say, well, they think they're better than me, that they look at us and they say, they love me when no one else did. They cared when no one else did. They were compassionate when no one else would be. They took me in when no one else cared. They fed me when I was hungry. We've got to reach a place where the label is no longer negative. And I'm telling you something, when you truly are sanctified, when you are truly working through that process of growing in your relationship with Jesus and in your faith, then you will reach a place where they will look at you and say, I want what they have. I want the life that they have. The process of this is relational. The process of this, Paul describes in his pursuit of Christ, it's in relational terms. He says, I want to know Jesus. I don't want to know about him. I don't want to read another book about him. I don't want to just go and listen to a sermon about him. I want to know him. I want to know him. The power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. That's a big, big request. Paul says, I don't want to just go through some motions. I want to know Jesus. Paul wanted to know him more intimately. Spiritual growth centers on knowing Jesus intimately. Spiritual growth is centered on a life of prayer. It's centered on a life of reading and studying the word of God, both individually as well as in small groups and discipleship groups. I want to know Christ. Now, I'm going to go a little bit deeper here. I want you to catch this. Your sanctification or being made holy is about becoming more and more like who? Jesus. Not comparing yourself favorably against another believer. Hello? In other words, let me say it this way. I went back and added this to my notes. I was just thinking about this and mulling this over. You are not holy because you don't do something that someone else does. Hello? I'm going to say that again. You're not holy because you don't do something that someone else does or doesn't do. You are holy only when you are pursuing Jesus and working on building a personal and intimate relationship with him. That's what makes you holy. What makes you holy is when you say, you know what? I'm not going to worry about everybody else. I'm going to worry about Greg Evans. 
I'm going to live the life for Jesus Christ so that others will see me and desire him so that others will look at me and hear me and want whatever it is that I am doing and serving and sharing with them. The challenge of Christian growth is demanding friends. It's going to cost you something. In fact, Paul says he didn't, he hadn't somehow developed some sort of spiritual supremacy here. He says, I haven't attained this yet. I'm not where I need to be. I'm not there. And here's the problem. When you think you've already arrived, you have it. (laughs) In fact, if you think you're already there and somehow you're holier than somebody else, don't ever look at anyone and say, well, they just need to get sanctified. Pray for them. If there's, if there's challenges in there, I've said it, but if there's challenges, pray for them. But friend, don't compare yourself or compare others to you. But for the grace of God, there go I. Work on you. I'm going to tell you something. Y'all have heard me say this before. Oh, I got to stay up here. Can I tell you all my back's not even hurting? Hallelujah. <laughs> Prayer works. The reason I got to stay up here is because we got to do communion in a minute. And if I get down there, I'll go on for days. Paul hadn't already achieved it. And neither have you. I've got to walk this thing out day in and day out. When I wake up tomorrow morning, I'm the same Greg Evans as I am today. I have the same challenges that I had yesterday. And I've got, listen, I may grow incrementally day by day, but the enemy is the same and he will come and attack my mind. He will attack my will. He will attack my emotions. And I can't wake up in a, in a funk tomorrow morning and go, woe is me, poor me. I got to get out of bed. I got to pull myself up and I got to remind myself who I am in Christ Jesus. I just have to do it just like you do. And then I got to start proclaiming it. And instead of somebody needing me to tell them that they're dying and going to hell and we do need to declare the message of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus. But instead of me telling them that they got to change this and change that and quit this and quit that, all I got to do is live the life out before them. It's called sanctification. And somehow in times gone by, and even today, we've considered sanctification as being so holy that we have to tell others how to do there and how to get there and how to do it. And that's not what it is. It's Greg Evans working on Greg Evans. It's Greg Evans seeking God to the place of him convicting me in my sin. And this is what I was going to say a minute ago. The Holy Spirit is really powerful, all powerful at being the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need you to convict anybody of any sin. What he needs you to do is live holy lives. What he needs me to do is to love people in their sin. That's what Jesus did. Now, listen, there's a difference in loving them and and accepting and allowing it. People aren't going to bring their drugs and their alcohol into my home. People aren't going to bring in, they're going to come in my house and start cursing and, and doing things that they ought not do. I'm not going to allow it. But I'm also not going to condemn everybody because I see it. I'm going to love them and serve them to the point that they want a relationship with the Jesus that changed my life. Sin, let me say it, will send everyone to hell. You cannot ignore sin. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about the process of sanctification being something that is personal and not something that is corporate. I can't call everybody to Greg's place. The Holy Spirit will do that. And he will do it much better than you or I ever could. Can somebody say amen? 
So Paul doesn't consider himself somehow a fully mature Christian. That's Paul talking. (laughs) We're talking about the greatest apostle who ever lived. And he says, I haven't attained this yet. I don't know what I'm doing sometimes. I need to grow even more. So I press on. I lay hold of. I reach forward. I press toward. And that's what God is calling you and I to today, to lay hold of, to press toward, to reach forward, to keep going after the prize of that upward call of Jesus Christ in our life. That happens through a process of sanctification. Everybody shout shout sanctification. It's demanding. And so if you think you arrived, it's a sure sign you didn't. Next, the barrier to this. is a deceptive spirit. Paul warns the Philippians here about pressuring each other to grow. There's almost nothing more demeaning than when someone says, that's not good enough. You're not good enough. There's almost nothing that would make you want to just throw in the towel and quit and give up than when someone looks at you and says, I thought you would do some, I thought by now you would have conquered that thing. I thought by now, here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm working on me, not on you. He reminds them that God would reveal how they needed to change. He says it in verse 15, he says, God will make it plain to you what you need to do. God will make it plain to you how you need to live. God will make it plain to you what things you need to work on. Now, you may be saying to me, well, Pastor Greg, I don't understand. Are we not supposed to call sin, sin? Yes, you call it sin. But don't look at everybody who has sin and point fingers because when you point a finger at someone, you got fingers pointing back at you, brother. Let's call sin, sin, but let's not call people evil that God is working in their lives. Let's love them to a place of salvation. Let's serve them. How about invite them to your house and ask them over for coffee and have a conversation about the gospel of Jesus Christ with them? Well, what if they won't come? Well, then give them a track or just buy their coffee and tell them you love them. Serve people around you. There's this deception that the enemy will use when we try to make other people like us or, t- or compare ourselves to other people. That's just as bad. My goodness, I watch some of these great orators of the faith. Dr. David Jeremiah, I love to listen to him teach. And I could listen to him for hours. But if I started comparing myself to him, I'd probably quit tomorrow. And I'd go home and I'd get a job at Home Depot or somewhere. That's nothing wrong with working at Home Depot. I'm just saying I wouldn't pastor anymore. I'd go get a job somewhere else doing something else. If I compared myself to Dr. David Jeremiah, I don't know his personal life. But friends, there is no comparison in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't be deceived. Your growth is your responsibility. It's yours. It's not Pastor Greg's. It's not your discipleship group's leader's responsibility. You got to get to church. You got to, you've got to find a way to study God's word. You've got to dig in in prayer. Amen.
So God grows people at his pace and in his way. But here's the crux of the matter. God wants you to grow. You cannot stay where you were. The minute you stop growing, you start declining. The minute you stop building your faith, you start waning in that faith. Is anybody with me still this morning? I told you this wasn't going to make you jump pews today. God wants you to grow. And here's how you do it. You just become more like Jesus. If you want to compare yourself to someone, don't compare yourself to Greg. Don't compare yourself to the person sitting next to you. Don't compare yourself to to somebody on TV. Compare yourself to Jesus Christ. How can I be more like him? What can I do? And then when you begin to grow, then you will learn to stand firm in your faith. And we're going to bring this to a close over the next 10 minutes or so here. But hear me, we must stand firm in our faith. Listen to Paul here in verse 17. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. We should look at those who are living a life of godliness and holiness and strive. Listen, this is not comparing. This is striving to live holy as well. This is learning to live in this place of standing firm in the faith that Jesus Christ has called us to. For I have told you often in verse 18 that, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct show they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about their shameful things and they think about, uh, they think only about this life here on earth, but we are citizens of heaven. Calvary, Assembly of God, follower of Jesus Christ. You are not a citizen of this world. You are a citizen of heaven. Where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior, he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under control. Verse one of the next chapter, you, you can follow along if you want, but it just says simply this. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. <laughs> I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. It's time to grow. It's time to hold fat, fast to our faith, to the word, and it's time to stand strong, standing firm. Paul says here, It helps to be together. It helps to hold to each other. I need you. I need your example in my life. I need your encouragement in my life. Can I tell you that is one of the, and I I said it last week, but I'm going to repeat it. That's one of the the horrible lies of this pandemic that the enemy has spread. Is that somehow we can continue to grow while we're locked up in our homes. That somehow we can continue to become, and and listen, if you're sick, there are a lot of people in our church family today that are sick. They need to be home. They need to be right where they are. They need to get better and they need to be in, uh, to be stronger and healthy again. And we, we pray for them and we support them. But when we are healthy and when we are strong and take whatever measures you need to take, but friend, it is a lie from hell that says that somehow we're going to grow in our faith if we're isolated in homes. 
And that goes for church and work and everything else. We will not become better when we are isolated. Isolation is a tool of the enemy, and it is something that he is deceiving the body of Christ, trying to deceive the body of Christ with and our world with. And I'm telling you, he's not going to win. I will not be deceived. You must not be deceived. We must take the word of God and determine that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And while we will use all wisdom that God has given us, we will arise and be the church in this hour. We will come together, we will learn, and we will grow. We will take measures of safety and precaution, but we must rise up and proclaim the word of truth corporately together as the body of Christ. You can think what you want to think about that. You can agree or disagree, and I'll love you just the same, but we must not be isolated. It will destroy you, and it will make you sick physically and emotionally. But I want to say this about this standing firm in our faith. Paul's talking about this here. Making a commitment's easy. Saying you're going to serve is easy. Talking about walking this walk is easy. Starting off good is easy, but standing firm and finishing well, Paul says, is difficult. There's work to be done. Paul challenges us. He says, join in following this example. Join it. Learn from those who follow this example in verse 17. The Philippians have been blessed with leaders like Paul and Timothy, Epaphroditus. And they had endured suffering for Jesus. And he's saying, if they can endure this suffering, so can you. There are many who have gone before us. If you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, I challenge you to go home today and order it on Amazon and read it. There are many from the beginning of time to recent days who have been ridiculed, beaten, killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. What in the world would make us think that we won't have to pay a price for serving Jesus Christ? I love air conditioning. Hallelujah. I like padded pews or seats. I like carpet and I like buildings and I like everything that makes church comfortable. But all you have to do is go to Slovenia and find out that everything's not perfect. Not everybody out there has all of these niceties. And that's why we must support missions. And that's why we must be willing to pay whatever comes our way, the price that it is to serve Jesus Christ, to fight this fight. It's not going to get easier. It's going to get more difficult. Here's how you follow people. We decide that we need each other. We decide to partner with each other, to pray with each other. We decide to encourage each other. We decide to find someone that we don't know today currently in this building and shake their hand and ask them, hey, could we have some fellowship together? I'd like to get with you. We plug into small groups. We encourage each other by being the body of Christ. We encourage each other. Listen, my back's been hurting me the last couple of days, so the rest of my body has to compensate for that. I've had to, uh, I think it was Pastor Joe this morning, he, says, he said, as you get older, it's like your upper body kind of has to pull along the lower body, you know? And, uh, and I just refuse to believe I'm older, so that's not, that's not my problem. I just got a little pinched nerve or something. 
But I can tell you that when my, I have this pain going on, I know that I have to overcompensate with the, I have to, I have to work harder with every other part of my body to make sure I do stand up straight, to make sure that I can do what I'm supposed to do. Listen today to me. We need each other because sometimes there's part of us that is weak. Sometimes there's part of us that needs uh, some help and some strength and some encouragement. And so we must rely on each other. That's how we stand strong. That's how we follow the example. It's not looking at someone and comparing. It's not me looking at Brother Stephen saying, oh, I wish I could be as holy as him. I wish I could live as, as faithfully as he does. I wish I could be just like him. No, or, or saying, he needs to be more like me. He needs to get it together. You need to, you need to buck up, brother. It's not doing that. That's comparison. That's not what we're called to do. But instead, it's coming in relationship with Steve. It's knowing that I care enough about Steve that I heard his mother is in the hospital with COVID. And so I text him or I call him and I check and I say, how are you doing? How is your mom? Can I pray with you? It's locking arms. Come here, brother Steve. It's locking arms with him. He probably don't want me to do this, but it's locking arms with him enough that I know how Steve is doing. And when he's not doing well, I also know it. It's a relationship that cares about one another. And for too long, and for too long, we have allowed that to just be on the shoulders of people that we pay in pulpit ministry or in teams of ministry. And this is not the, I am not the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. And we need to lock, uh, lock arms together. When your son comes to the keys and starts playing, it means it's time to quit. I didn't even give him the nod. We have to stand firm. Here's another way you stand firm. You oppose the enemies of the gospel. I'm about to preach in this room. I don't care if the keys are playing. We got to oppose the en- There are enemies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul took opposition to the gospel seriously and so must you and I that's why I say that this morning about isolation being a trick of the enemy it is not to make anyone feel bad because we all need to isolate sometimes temporarily but it is an opposition to the gospel when we somehow fall in lockstep with demands that are unrealistic We've got to take seriously this opposition to the gospel because I will tell you some of the plans, and I said it last Sunday and I'll just keep repeating, some of the plans of our government and the government systems of the world, not just America, some of the plans are in direct opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love our country and I thank God for our freedoms, but we must not lose them. We must not give up. It's time for the church to be the church. It's time for us to be so healthy and strong that we're able to fight in a way that is productive and yet destructive to the enemy. Stand firm against the opposing enemies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says it this way. He says the enemies of the cross of Calvary. He calls them out. They're gospel detractors. He describes them this way also. He says... Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. And then he weeps over the destruction 
that they're causing. Calvary Assembly of God, hear this pastor this morning, hear my heart. I love you. I love God's church. I love this world. I love the people that God has called us to minister to and love and serve. But we must be on on guard lest these negative influencers become role models in our lives. Lest these detractors of the gospel somehow persuade us to give in. Anyone who leads you away from Jesus, anyone who leads you away from the gospel is a dangerous enemy of the cross. I want to close with this one last comment and thought. The way you stand is by anticipating your citizenship in heaven. That's how we stand. I'm just a pilgrim passing through, Sister Donna. This is not my home. I'm here today. I'm going to be here till Jesus comes. But I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep studying. I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to hold fast to the gospel. I'm not going to be tempted or persuaded or lied to. I'm a child of God. I'm a citizen of heaven. So we need to get our minds off of the troubles. And they are many. And they are great and they are real. But they will also depress you. They will make you physically sick, emotionally sick, mentally sick. And they will isolate you. And we need to get our minds off of those things. And as Paul states here, eagerly wait or anticipate the return of Jesus Christ. Reject temporal pleasures of sin. I'm wrapping this up. Think of that sanctification process. Reject those things, worries and weights of this life. And instead focus on the promise of eternal life. Friends, can I tell you, can I remind you of something? We're called to rule and reign with Jesus. Come on, we're not, we're not, we're not just people that have to muddle through life and hopefully get to heaven. We're called to rule and reign. That starts right now as citizens of heaven. We take the authority that Pastor Trevor talked about earlier, knowing who we are in Christ, and we start right now in love with a right heart, with an attitude of service and serving others and loving everybody. We start right now ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. Don't let the enemy of our soul, don't let demons and evildoers in this world weigh you down any longer. I'm talking to the body of Christ today. I'm talking to believers. Don't let them tell you that it's all coming to an end. Don't let the, the, the news media and the, and the reports of people around you tell you that we're about to die and, and it's going to be horrible. And guess what? If to, Paul says to die is Christ, to, or to, to, to die is gain and to live is Christ. I have to do this. I get to do that. Friends, it's time to rise up and be the church, a healthy church, a strong church. I learned a little song when I was a kid. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I am going to quote the simple little chorus. And it simply says this, I'm a child of God. I have no fear. He has chosen me to win. I am known as friend to the great I am. I'm a child of God. I want to say that over you today.
You need to, somebody needs to catch this in their spirit. You are a child of God. Say it with me. Say, I'm a child of God. Say, I have no fear. He has chosen me to win. I am known as a friend to the great I am. I'm a child of God. These are trying times we're living in. I'm not making light of them. I gathered with close to 20,000 people this past week in Orlando, Florida. I don't know the exact number. It may have been 15,000, but it's up there. Kids, adults, young and old, pastors from all over the nation and many from around the world, missionaries. There were precautions in place, but we made a declaration under the direction of our general superintendent that we will be the church, that we are a family and that fear will not grip us, that we, as Beverly talked about earlier, we will walk in divine health and healing. Does that mean nobody will get sick? No. Does that mean nobody else is going to die? No. But we are a people of faith. And we know the gospel. And we live the gospel. And we share the gospel. And if you're ready to do that with me, would you stand with me across this sanctuary? If you're ready to live the gospel and share the gospel, if you would take your communion cups together. Before we go any further in this service, if you're here today or if you're watching online and you want to ask Christ to come into your heart, maybe you're not a believer or you're backslidden and you say, I I need to give my life to Christ today. I want to come into faith. I want to serve Jesus. No one's looking at you except for me right now. Christians are praying and those that are God is dealing with, you're allowing him to deal with your heart. You say, I want to give my life to Christ. Would you just slip your hand up? I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now before we move on in this service. If you're online, you can just text that into us and let us know and we'll get back to you and you can follow along in this prayer as well, right where you are. Is there anyone in this room? You say, I just want to give my life to Jesus Christ, pastor. Is there anyone? I don't want to miss you. Just take a moment to wait. Say, I'm ready to come to Jesus. I'm ready to surrender my life. I'm going to believe then with everyone in here that you are following Christ. And we're going to partake together of the Lord's Supper. Obedience to God's word is one way we grow. It's taking the gospel of Jesus and applying it to the way we live. It's worshiping him in spirit and truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 11, verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. This is Paul writing again. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This morning, we want to obey the direction of Jesus and follow him in receiving this emblem of his broken body and his shed blood together. It's an act of our worship. It's a recommitment of our heart. If you continue to read that text, Paul goes on to say, but check your hearts. Don't receive this in an unworthy manner. Calvary, we're a strong church. We're a healthy church and we're growing healthier by the word of God. 
but we're not, none of us are without, with, are without with proach, reproach of any kind. We need to search our hearts. The psalmist said, search my heart, O Lord, and see if there be any wicked way in me. In other words, reveal to me those things that I need to repent of. And we want to take a moment before we receive these together to do just that. Would you just bow your hearts, bow your heads, and would you allow the Holy Spirit to just search your heart and just begin to just surrender anything in your life that maybe it's things you've held back. Maybe it's challenges or issues. Maybe it's in your home, your family, whatever it may be today. Just give it to Jesus. Thank you.